Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's Friday, February 24th, and oh, what a week it's been. And thanks for joining us. We're going to tell you all about it. On the show today, we've got Pat Whalen joining Ben Jarofsky. It's going to be a big one, people. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and so much more. you got to check it out. Hey, and if you want to help the show and help yourself, head over to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V is in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Travsky here. We're calling this the final stretch Friday. And here's why. You know why? Duh. Because it's the final stretch. The mayoral run. Actually, it's the final stretch of the final stretch because there will be a runoff after this. So it's really not the final stretch. So I'm already correcting myself. I, the show is not even a minute old, and I've already made a mistake. <laughs> The final stretch, 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 stretch. Here's the deal right now. Uh, we all know this. Paul Vallis will be in the rough. Everybody agrees on that. No matter, you can bring in experts. We're going to talk about uh, David Axelrod weighing in. The X man shows he still got it. He weighed in with the uh, France Billman. Of the <laughs> My distinguished guest just, oh, uh, Lord. <laughs> he did something funny. He made me laugh. Um, but uh, the Axe Man weighs in. Hey, you know, everybody's saying the same thing. Uh, well, you know, Paul Vallis is in the driver's seat. <laughs> it doesn't take a political genius to know that Paul Vallis is in the driver's seat. There's nine candidates. Shout out Mark Sims, the first guy to observe this. Nine candidates. One of them is white. White people in the city of Chicago woke up about a month ago. And go, oh, my God. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me do the math. The seven black guys, one Hispanic, and a white guy. Hold on. Carry the one and the two. We can win. They are so excited on the northwest and southwest sides of Chicago over Paul Vallis. And God bless you guys. Not hating on you. All you 41st Ward residents, 45th Ward residents on the northwest side, 19th Ward, 23rd. You're so happy. Paul Vallis. Oh, my God. It's like a gift from the gods. He understands me when I talk. <laughs> guys, I live through Vallis. I'm just saying, guys, <laughs> nothing he did when he was CEO suggests that he'll do anything that you'll like. Just saying that, okay? And he's the guy who invented TIFFs. Well, I don't know. He was there when it was invented, the TIF program in the city of Chicago. Which I think that most property taxpayers in the northwest and the southwest side who don't like their soaring property tax bills might want to consider take a look, a little look at the connection between tips and their property taxes. But nope, they're not going to do that now. 
because they love Paul Bowles. And I'm happy for them. I really am happy for them. No facetiousness here. No sarcasm here. No irony here. I know you guys have been struggling since 1983 in the Bernie Epta before it's too late campaign. <laughs> that was like a high point for you guys. Yes, Bernie. <laughs> oh, my God. What a city. I've chosen to live here. Then in 89, Mayor Daly, had, yeah, you guys lived through Harold Washington uh, four years and then uh, that final year when he was office before he died. And then uh, Eugene Sawyer and then Richard M. Daly came back. And, you know, th for the 90s, I used to go up to meetings uh, on the northwest side that, that Daly would have, those budget hearings. Oh, my God. It was like people were bowing down to him. The city has never looked cleaner. The sunrises have never been so beautiful. <laughs> it's true. One lady said that. The sunrises have never been more beautiful, Mayor Daly. Mayor Daly would sit up there for these budget hearings. And it would be like uh, the last uh, supper, you know, where like all his a he'd be in the middle of the table and all his department heads would be spread out and get and uh, the residents would get up and they would get to meet their mayor. It's like the peasants would meet the mayor, the king, the lord, the lord of the manor. I mean, I gave him credit for this. Rom didn't do this. So I've given daily credit for like meeting the people. And they would always begin with like this, this humble like uh, overture to the, the Lord, letting them know how much they appreciate him, how much they appreciate his presence in City Hall, his presence at this meeting. And then they would ask their question, you know, your highness, we have a problem with a pothole on our street. And Mayor Daly would go, hey, Billy Bob, Streets and Sand, whoever built the head of Streets and Sand was, go, go deal with this. And some uh, factotum from Streets and Sand would scurry over to the person who was asking the question, give them their card. We'll take care of it. What a city. I love it. The Northwest Side loved it. But then something happened in the O's. You know, people got disenchanted with Daly. They still voted for him because, you know, I mean, he was Daly. But they kind of got disenchanted. I think that uh, combination of the parking meter sale and the dumb Olympics, this whole city jumped aboard the Olympic bandwagon. It was like all the powers that be wanted to tell the city of Chicago how great the Olympics was going to be for them. And no one in Chicago bought it. Because one thing's about Chicago, they may be dumb, but they're not stupid. And they all knew that it was going to raise their taxes. You know, they may not know how a TIF works or property tax works or how their alderman votes, but they do know BS when they're hearing it. And somehow this notion that the Olympics wasn't going to cost them money, they all knew. Even Chicago, it's new. No, no, I'm not buying that. I know. I'm from Chicago. <laughs> so they knew. They were disenchanted. And finally they said, yeah, I can't, I can't deal with this. I'm out of here. And they never liked Rom. Let's be honest. They voted for him. But in my opinion, the Northwest and the Southwest sides never liked Rom. And they didn't really like Lori either. They just pretty much voted for her because she wasn't Tony Preckwinkle. They had all kinds of issues with Tony Preckwinkle. So did I, for that matter. Anyway, so now they finally got a guy that speaks to them. It's like the horse whisperer. Only he's the Northwest side and the Southwest side whisperer. And he whispers in their ear. I will make the city safe. These are some of the safest neighborhoods in the city of Chicago, I just want to tell you. Okay? Have always been. I mean, there's crime everywhere in the city of Chicago. It's true. Don't minimize it. But the reality is, northwest, southwest sides are generally some of the safest neighborhoods in the city of Chicago. 
and it will make your city safe again. It's still, it's relatively safe as it is. I will make it safe. It's got this flyer I just got, Paul Vallis flyer. I'm going to show this to my distinguished guest, Pat, Pat Whalen. How to deliver big solutions. I'm Paul Vallis. I approve this flyer. So I'm happy for you, Northwest and Southwest sides. You got so many Vallis signs up there. You're like putting Vallis signs on Vallis signs. Can I like have three Vallis signs to show how much I love him? And your vote will probably propel Paul Vallis into a runoff. Lord knows who he's going to be running off against and how ugly that campaign will be. I'm sure it may rival the 83 Epton Harold Washington race before it's all over. But at the moment, I'm happy for the Northwest and Southwest sides. We're just feeling it. They got their man, and he speaks to them. All right. It's all what a week. We're going to sum up, sum up the week's news. And with me to help, uh, help me out is the legendary Pat Whalen, comedian and impresario and political strategist and guru and resident uh, of the north side of Chicago and native of Buffalo. I just had to throw that in there, Patrick J. Whalen. Welcome back, Pat. Thank you, Ben. I got to say, I get native of Buffalo a lot, but I've never gotten impresario and strategist in the same introduction before. I love coming on this show. That is just another reason why. I, I do I do want to jut into to one thing that you yeah. mentioned earlier. I am upset that we didn't get the Olympics here in Chicago. I know that was a, a very dramatic a series of events, quite a saga back in the day, because I was very much looking forward to uh, charging uh, some Italian person, you know, 300 times in Airbnb rates for my, you know, broom closet studio. I, I could have made a quick buck, could have slept on someone's couch, and uh, it was an opportunity lost. So thanks a lot, Rom. Uh, well, okay, Rom. Rom had nothing to do. Rom wasn't even, a, I, I know, I like to blame everything on Rom too. Uh, but the Olympic fiasco debacle uh, was under Daly, uh, and it was turned down. Uh, God, what year? When was that? It was Obama was the president. So that's why that, right? <laughs> that's why. Oh. Hello, it's all connected, baby. Got clout or not? By the way, that uh, that was Obama's pitch. I mean, it, it, they dragged poor Barack Obama into that thing. I mean, I don't know how much they had to drag him, but he was uh, signed on to it. Michelle Obama, they signed on to the Olympic pitch, which was uh, quite a spectacle. But uh, his, uh, his his pitch was, I can't wait to rent out my Kenwood home. Uh, and he was, sound, thank you, it's my Obama invitation, which is terrible. Uh, and, I mean, that's my presidential thought process. You know, like you could charge an arm and a leg to some Belgian guy who's never <laughs> seen American money before, you know? He doesn't know. So here's the typical Chicagoan thought on this. Let's see. I'm going to make about, let's say, $1,000 by renting out my apartment. I will go. I don't know where I'll go. I'll go sleep. I'll go sleep in an alley for a sleep week. Sleep under the beam. No big deal. <laughs> so let's, okay, let's do the math, the Chicago math. So $1,000 I make, it's going to cost me $500 to live somewhere else. I'm ahead $500. But my property taxes will rise because we're paying off the obligations for this thing. So in the course of 10 years, I'll probably be down $5,000. Obama didn't tell us that. You know what I'm saying? Say, hey, I, I was a renter at the time. 
And so it's all it's all gravy, baby. <laughs> uh anyway. Uh, Olympic uh, talks. Yes, uh, Pat Whalen, uh, before we get uh, into Oh, What a Week, let's start at the top. You've got another great show coming up. Yes. The impresario, Patrick J. Whalen, never stops. He's up all night making phone calls, cutting deals, putting great shows together. You got one this Monday. Tell everybody all about it. Uh, impresario and strategist, if you don't mind, Ben. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes, indeed. This Monday, for fans of the show, if, if you've heard me on here babbling and, and sitting at the feet of the master before, you know that I host Good Evening with Pat Whalen. It's a, it's a Chicago-centric, civic-minded late-night talk show. It's very similar to The Tonight Show, except it's funny, as you know. <laughs> Um, and, and we, and we focus on civics. So typically I'll have on, I've had governor Pritzker, comptroller Mendoza, Lori Lightfoot a couple times, uh, older folk, civil servants of all stripes, state senators, representatives, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but this Monday at Cherry Circle Room at 12 South Michigan, I don't think I've ever done a show in the loop, Ben, but this is in the loop proper, uh, sort of. And it's right across the street from the Bean Cherry Circle Room in Chicago Athletic Association Hotel. Very fancy, but I'm still bringing old style in Malort. And good friends of the show, Gregory Pratt from the Chicago Tribune, Brandon Pope from On the Block Chicago, uh, the amazing CW26 uh, Block Club Chicago show, as well as uh, Making, the uh, WBEZ podcast, Antonia Hill uh, from The Tribe, who I'm very excited to have uh, this, this excellent panel uh to basically answer my questions about who's gonna win can you just end the speculation it's gonna be monday night it's an election eve show seven o'clock uh and tickets are available online at best evening ever and if you don't have ten dollars for a ticket i know a guy he's an impresario and strategist and he can hook you up so just just let me know i'm very very well connected um so seven o'clock monday election eve swanky spot a few jokes a few laughs Excellent musical guest, by the way, Wyatt Waddell. He's fantastic. Should be a good time, Ben. Yeah, no, and uh, the last show you did, uh, I think when you came on uh, to promote it, I believe it was the Brandon Johnson show. Am I correct in that? That is correct. Yes, sir. Uh, we were at the Den Theater on Milwaukee. Yeah, and uh, you told me subsequently that Brandon Johnson did a great job. He was very funny. I, I Okay, so let me just drop the whole like promotional impresario strategist thing. Yeah. I've never laughed that hard on stage during a show. I've done over 50 of these shows and I was just, com I was completely taken aback because what happened was he came out and was hilarious. I was like crying, laughing and the, my, all my prep went out the window. It was like, okay, well, looks like we're not doing what I planned. And so we just talked and honestly, the audience really enjoyed it. They thought it was very informative and getting to know the candidate. So everybody wins, but I was taken off guard. He is a very funny man. No, he's a very funny guy, and uh, if it comes down to a runoff between Vallis and Johnson, uh, the I guess one of the saving graces will be Brandon Johnson flashing his sense of humor. And Paul Vallis, and I have to say this, everybody knows I'm very critical of Paul Vallis's uh, worldview uh, and his job as uh, CEO of Chicago Public Schools and before that revenue director for Mayor Daley. Uh, but Paul Vallis, I, I have to stand back Nobody can talk like Paul Ballas. This man can start talking, and an hour later, he'll still be talking. And and then he'll be, like, quoting numbers, like, like in the middle, like really rapid fast. Well, 52% of the city, 52% uh, of the budget was down, you know, and uh, test scores went up 55%. <laughs> or, like, if you're like, huh? How do you, how do you know? Real you know, man to people. 
<laughs> yeah, right. So it was quite a interesting contrast. Well, that that's the battle axes prediction, right? And again, sorry for making you laugh during the intro, but every time someone says the axe, it'll go, no, 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 no. <laughs> the Wayne's World transition, you know, it's the battle axe, man. And he's saying Vallis Johnson runoff. Well, David Axelrod. I mean, talk about an impresario and strategist. Yeah, no, he is. The, he's the guide. Uh, he's he's the guru. He's the one we all follow. We'll get to the axe, man, uh, and his predictions. It's not as direct as that. Okay, Axelrod wasn't, you know, he may have been born at night, but it wasn't last night to quote Dr. D. Okay, he's not going to say positively this is what's going to happen. You got to know how to couch it in such a way. You got to know how to hold them and how to fold them and know when to walk away and when to run. You never count your money when it's sitting on the table. There'll be time enough to count it, Patrick J. Whalen, when the deal is done. And that's how. David Axelrod approaches politics. Don't say something certain. Then they can hold it to you and say you're wrong. You got to say it in such a way. Well, it could go either way. You know, there's many dimensions to this. And when it's all over, people are like, oh my God, that guy's brilliant. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> wow, every conceivable <laughs> option. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Give every that's like the sports guys. Like yeah. when, when they have to make a prediction on the game, they'll just like ah this they don't start this just going into like the minutiae of some quarterback. Wait, what's your prediction? All right, uh let me just start uh with oh what a week. I'm gonna throw out a topic at you. Uh, this is a delightful story in today's uh Sun Times from uh, the great uh, Tinas Vandellas. By the way, not telling you what to do with your shows, future shows, but if you could ever <laughs> folks if you could <laughs> Got my listening ears on, Ben. <laughs> oh, my God. That was funny. If you can ever book Tina Svondelis, she knows her politics, and she's a delightful guest. Uh, Svondelis and Mihalopoulos. We call it the Greek show. Yes. Me, uh, Danny knows his stuff. I'll do it in Greek town. Yes, do it. Oh, my good. Hoopa, baby. All right. Anyway, um, she wrote a great article. Uh, it's in today's Sun-Times. Burke Cloud over 14th Ward as Madigan cast shadow in 13th and 23rd. Uh, and uh, this is just, it's a priceless reminder of how legacies live on. Uh, Patrick J. Whalen in the city of Chicago long after uh, the powers who, <laughs> you know, own those legacies have been have you thought they've left the scene so in this particular case uh the 14th ward was for years and years and years and years it still is by the way uh represented by alderman ed burke former chair of the uh, finance committee one of the most powerful aldermen in the city of chicago used that purchase the head of the finance committee to oversee every single contract every single tip deal every single tax hike that came and best dressed 50 years running on the council I, you know, I'm not ready to go there. I don't, mm -mm, I don't think so. I don't, I, the pinstripes, uh -uh, I'm not feeling it. Sorry. Uh, but it, he is like one of the few that still uh, upholds the dress code in the city council. Have you noticed that, right. like the youngsters, no ties? Come on, get that tie on. What are you looking like? Ben Jarofsky now. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, Ed Burke's gone. Uh, he was indicted on federal corruption charges. Uh, he was using his property tax business to like shake down people who were coming before the city, allegedly. Uh, and um, it was a huge he, it was a huge embarrassment to the city of Chicago. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, was elected in 2019 in part uh, because she could what link Ed Burke to Tony Preckwinkle. They were allies in the Democratic Party. Uh, so Burke has finally decided with on the eve of his trial not to run for re-election. Uh, instead of concentrate on uh, trying to win an acquittal, 
uh, but he has endorsed somebody. And the person he endorsed is uh, Raul Reyes, uh, and he is running against uh, Helu Gutierrez, who is supported by uh, Chewy Garcia. So that's an old rivalry right there on the 14th Ward, uh, Pat, between uh, Chewy Garcia and um, Ed Burke. And if there's absolutely anybody who can claim the title of the Burke beater, it's Chewy Garcia. And yet it's not working for him in this political campaign because he has in the past allied himself with Michael Joseph Madigan, as every Democrat in the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois has, because Michael J. Madigan, hello, used to be the chairman of the Democratic Party. <laughs> Chicago was like, oh, we don't like him anymore. Except in the, in the uh, 23rd Ward, which is his neck of the woods, uh, Sylvania Taberas is running against a challenger, Eddie Guillen, uh, and uh, Madigan doesn't like uh, Tabaras because when she was in the House of Representatives, she broke from him uh, at the very end. At the very, very end. Okay? Uh, so it's payback time. And here's the interesting thing, Pat. Both of these candidates that have been put up uh, by Burke and Verdoliak, uh, Reyes in the uh, 14th, or Verdoliak, God, where I went back to council wards. Put <laughs> by Burke and Matt again. Yeah, that was like old school. I couldn't help myself. Uh, Reyes in the uh, 14th Ward and Guillen in the uh, 23rd Ward. Uh, Tina dutifully called them, and neither of them returned the phone call. Hmm. So right there, that tells you something. If they don't even have the gumption to return a phone call of one of the great political reporters in the city of Chicago, the Sun-Times political reporter, you know, if, they, if they're like too chicken to do that, then they clearly are puppets. You know what I mean? They're either there just to annoy uh, Gutierrez in the 14th Ward or Chaparro's in the 23rd, uh, or they're just going to use the sheer muscle of what's left of Ed Burke's machine and Michael Madigan's machine just to put them in the office. And then once in office, they will just sit there quietly and do as told uh, and never say anything, so they will never appear in a, a Ben Jarofsky and a Dave Glowatz uh, recap of Chicago Because <laughs> you can't quote somebody if they're not saying anything. There you go. You can't quote the sound of silence, my man. But, I mean, yeah, what is local politics? Local politics without old rivalries is just yard signs, right? Like, what? what is it? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm big on the yard signs myself. I, I don't know if people are noticing, but they are. They're, they're multiplying with great speed. Um, and, you know, a lot of my armchair friends who know that I, I, I follow politics or at least follow Ben Jarofsky uh, are often telling me, you know, oh, I'm seeing a lot more yard signs for this candidate or that candidate, a lot more yard signs for Vallis lately. And speaking of local politics, from what I know from people involved, the first rule is signs don't vote. So that is something to think about. It is a, a larger commentary on like, you know, the ground game, right? The funding, you need a lot of money to print these signs and you need a lot of people who can go out and slam them down, get in their car and drive to the next block and do it again. But something I also like to mention to folks is that, did you know, Ben, you were talking about Streets and Sand earlier. Uh, Joe Joe Blow, was that his name? The superintendent of Streets and Sands back then? I believe I was Billy Bob, but go Billy ahead. Billy Bob, you're, I'm <laughs> sorry. Yes, you're right, you're right. Um, so I, I like to help out Streets and Sand and, and let people know that any any campaign signs that aren't on private property. Of course, someone has it in their yard. You can't, you know, you can't trespass on a private property. But public property, you know, like an easement 
or a flower bed maintained by an SSA or a park district facility or outside of a fence in a vacant lot, that's public property. And so what you're doing is you're actually helping pick up trash because we all know these signs are going to be up no matter who wins or makes the runoff. They're going to be up until freaking July. You're going to be seeing them everywhere, rolling around on 94 and, you know, in the back of people's cars. So that's just a fun fact I like to give. I think it was the 99th General Assembly that passed the law that says it mandated the size of campaign signs and said that they're not allowed on private property. And actually, campaigns can be fined up to $2 a day for leaving their signs on public property. Did you know that, Ben? I, I did not know that, to quote it's, Johnny Carson. It's, it's the law. I did not know that. I did not know that. Uh, wait a minute. But has that ever been enforced? I don't recall recall it ever being enforced because i've got campaign signs that have lingered i think there's still some emmanuel for mayor signs uh up there's a gary it. chico sign that's been on the side of the building on, on the highway of, out past the loop for six years what's going on i don't know whose job it is to take that down but like yeah i mean they, they just kind of sit around and you know let, let's save the earth later let's let's vote for someone who will enforce these laws but I mean, when it comes to enforcing laws around elections and campaigning, you got the guy in the eleventh ward who's <laughs> tooling around on a fire truck. Have you seen this? No. I don't know this candidate's name. Right, you catch your breath. This candidate's name, uh, I'd, I'd have to look, and I'll look yeah. up the tweet. But um, he's riding around with campaign signs on a fire truck yeah. with his lights flashing and running the siren every once in a while and yelling about you know how crime <laughs> is up through through the bullhorn on a fire truck, like. What, is this okay? Yeah. Is this, are we, also, are there no fires in the 11th Ward? Like, what's going on? I, hey, it's silly season, baby. Anything goes, right? Uh, is it a, a city fire truck? Yes! Oh. Uh, you know, that's interesting because Nick Spazzato got in trouble uh, for a photograph on his Facebook page uh, of him with a firefighter. And they said that's an improper use of a firefighter in uniform. I believe uh, uh, Jesus Garcia got in trouble uh, with a, uh, a commercial where he was with a police officer. That's uh, right. And uh, in a commercial. and that, yeah, so, so I don't know. I'm a fire truck would seem to be uh, right. In the old days, like uh, oh, I remember where I, uh, Dan Rosikowski and Terry Kapinski's names for the distant past they passed this tradition on to matlack who was the alderman of the 32nd war before scotty waggis back came in uh they, they had the uh police those horses the police horse things you know that you used to to, to, to uh, oh, block yeah. off traffic and it would always official campaign signs. yeah it would say yeah terry kubinski alderman i'm like what what is that <laughs> that's nuts uh, i mean like, hey like we said right anything goes because yeah. like I, i've seen campaign signs that are bigger than what is officially mandated. Uh, but, you know, who, who goes around enforcing that? It's a good question. I, I interesting, well, th just the technicality on the CPD and then and the CFD stuff, like having your picture taken with city employees is not illegal, but you cannot set up this photo. The campaign, it can't be the campaign's idea to say, hey, let's take a few shots. If the, can if the candidate's just out walking around and bumps into someone on the street, apparently that is okay. Maybe not if they're on duty, I think. Um, it's also okay to go to a costume shop and buy a costume that looks like a Chicago police officer and, you know, conveniently cut off the lower third of their arm uh, <laughs> so that you can't see the insignia that isn't on an official uh, costume. So, you know, yeah. th there's there's ways around these types of things that uh, aren't enforced anyway. Yeah, of course, they occasionally enforced. Uh ethics in Chicago. We uh, it's always a funny topic uh, in terms of signs. Uh, Hmm. 
I get photographs from time to time uh, from Mike Girardi, good friend of the show, who uh, of, of neighborhoods on the southwest side, where uh, in Marty Quinn's 13th Ward, for instance, there's like a sign on every house. It's like a cult. Uh, and similarly in the 19th Ward, Matt O'Shea, the incumbent alderman, signs uh, on every, at, like for every house. I'm like, but does that mean that everybody who lives there will vote uh, for Marty Quinn or Matt O'Shea? Um, I no. feel like it's a, a subtle form of intimidation, or not so subtle form of intimidation, when a representative of the incumbent alderman comes to your house and asks you to put the sign up. It's like, hmm, if I don't put the sign up, will I get punished in some way? This is like a Chicago mentality. Uh, so yeah, what the heck? Three limbs fall in your yard or like, you know, you, you don't have any easement construction or, you know, need a lead line replaced. Yeah. Okay. I'll put up whatever sign you want, sir. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what the correlation is. Uh, I do know that uh, Marty Quinn, my guess is he will be victorious uh, in the 13th Ward. Uh, he, he'll outwork anybody. Uh, interesting, by the way, he has an opponent uh, in the 30th Ward. And it was also in Tina Svandelis' article, uh, Paul Bruton. And uh, Bruton, uh, a very honest guy, had this to say. Uh, Bruton said the reaction from voters in the ward, again, Marty Quinn is 13th Ward. And for years, uh, Michael Joseph Madigan was the committee man. He ran the ward. Marty Quinn used to work for Michael Joseph Madigan. Uh, very close to Madigan's machine, Marty Quinn. Uh, so Bruton, who's running against Quinn, said the reaction from voters in the ward about Madigan's indictment varies pretty widely, with some residents able to, quote, tolerate a certain amount of corruption. And here comes the rest of the quote. There are people who only really care about those sort of nuts and bolts services. And when you're talking to them, when you're trying to talk to them about public corruption, you know, that's almost abstract and they're less interested. I've really been trying to drive home the idea that, look, if you're worried about crime, you know, corruption is crime. Uh, that, good luck, young man. Good luck. Corruption is crime. Hey, I mean, uh, you know, yeah. everyone thinks public safety is crime, but like, you know, what what is crime? Is Norfolk, Norfolk Southern accused of a crime? You know what I mean? Like it, it, blue collar crime, you know, we, we go on and on and on. But what are people concerned about? You know, the immediate safety of themselves and their family. I think it's a very natural thing. But you know, how to really solve that, you know, either by force or by, you know, public service is a, a point of contention among voters in the great city of Chicago. No, you're right. And uh, so Chicagoans, the bar is very low. This is something I learned early on when I got here. Uh, if you get anything remotely resembling a decent service, uh, a decent response from your alderman, um, then it doesn't, it's like a pass and you'll just continually vote for the alderman. <laughs> I've told this story many times about when uh, the old days when we first moved here uh, and the local alderman didn't really like me because of all the uh, articles I've been writing. Uh, and they just sort of wrote me off as a rabble rouser, uh, lefty annoyance. Uh, but we needed a new garbage can. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, I'll bet you did. I'll bet you still do. Yeah. Because our garbage, somebody lit a fire in our garbage can, so we had no garbage can. We needed a garbage can. So my wife was calling the alderman, and finally, and she said, you know, you're, you're just giving us a garbage can because my husband writes these articles. And the guy got really mad. He goes, you want a garbage can, lady? I'll get you a garbage can. So later that day, they came by, and they threw a garbage can. Literally, like, they threw it over the fence in the backyard. It just landed in the... There was just this garbage can. Like, here's your garbage. 
I mean, he could have just left it in the alley. He had to walk by where we would put the garbage can to throw it in the. Well, at least you didn't find it in your bed like a horse head or something. You know what I mean? Is that 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 would be sending a message? I'll tell you what. Find a garbage can in my bed. I wake up one day. Oh my god! There's a bloody garbage can. A man like me that's not made to be look ridiculous. <laughs> uh, all right, you mentioned uh, uh, Norfolk Southern uh, and uh, the. Um, the railroad uh and it got me thinking something that you said to me earlier today uh there is sort of a chicago variation of all the national stories uh and uh one being uh, norfolk and the other of course being ron DeSantis. so why don't you give your initial thoughts uh, ron DeSantis, of course the governor of florida uh, who is at war with uh the educators of florida and uh school teachers college professors etc uh, and, governors uh, of Illinois. I'll governors of Illinois. Yeah, not a fan of this guy. Yeah, yeah. Give your thoughts on this. Go ahead. Ron. Ron came to town um, on Monday. It was President's Day, Ben. It was President's Day. It was JB Prisker's birthday, and it was the anniversary of the Madison Square Bar- Garden uh, Charles Lindbergh America First rally in the twenties. Did you know that? I I. Did not know that. Are you sure it was the 20s and not the 30s? No, I'm not. I'm not. I think you're right. I think it was the 30s. I think it was closer to Roosevelt uh, than it was to whoever was president in the 20s. Um, But yeah, I just I thought that was an interesting piece of data. Quite a coincidence uh, that this basically a Nazi rally held in one of the largest uh, venues in the country at that time on the same anniversary. Ron DeSantis came to town at the to the Knights of uh, Knights of Columbus out in the Burbs. Um, and it was a law enforcement only event. So if you're not a law enforcement officer, you're not allowed entry. Um, he's very clearly, you know, doing this national tour because he had done it in New York as well. And I think uh, one or two other cities outside of Florida. So he's going on this tour. He's obviously trying to gin up support for a presidential run um, with the right, the far right, maybe. Um, and, you know, it, it is, it's a national story, but it's also a local story because it has local implications. He comes to town on JB's birthday, talking smack about JB and the, and the woke mob, et cetera, et cetera, to a crowd of very much, you know, back of blue FOP right wing uh, supporters, which, you know, is perfectly legal and all fine and dandy. But, you know, at the same time, or at least in the same week, you have Paul Vallis coming under fire, who obviously is very close with the FOP, has their endorsement, the endorsement of John Catanzara. I believe Catanzara and Bailey were in the house uh, for DeSantis's, uh, no? Not Catanzara. Johnny. DB, big feller, downstate Illinois, st- uh, former state senator, gubernatorial candidate for the Republicans, the MAGA man, the maggiest man in the state of Illinois, was there. But Johnny C., Johnny Catanzara, was most notably not there. He was in, I'm not making this up, Vegas. Vegas. I'm just telling you what he said. He was in Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. One of my favorite uh, songs by Elvis Presley. Yes, go ahead. Getting Um, out of town. Uh, Maybe he's uh, digging up all the bodies that are being found at the bottom of the quarry that's drying up out there. Um, But in any event, well, that's that's another coincidence on top of another. I'm not going to go full tinfoil hat on you here. But, like, obviously, you know, uh, Paul Vallis has been one step ahead of these sort of allegations. Uh, I I think that he has been accused of being basically – you know, a Republican in blue clothing and just recently had 
uh, the endorsement of Tom Tunney and has a new TV ad about that and how he supports the rights of women. He's beaten the hell out of these allegations from Lori Lightfoot and many other candidates for mayor that he does not support the rights of women, even though there is very clearly a video interview evidence of him saying, I'm more of a Republican. I did hear him explain that to Laura Washington in an on the block, uh, or sorry, the ballot interview by Block Club Chicago, um, which were super informative and all on YouTube. I would highly recommend people check those out. Um, but uh, again, he kind of did what you said earlier, where he just kind of, you know, whips out a bunch of numbers. And by the time he's done talking, you forgot what you were asking. Him, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's a skill. I yeah. sure, like, good job. Uh, but, you know, what you're asking about the national stories having local implications, you know, Vallis is accused of having his Twitter run by someone who was liking racist, sexist, homophobic tweets. This being reported by the Chicago Tribune, uh, the same paper that endorsed him, uh, interestingly enough. But I'm sure President Gary Johnson is smiling down from somewhere <laughs> about that, um, which is fine. Uh, but, you know, these uh, we have a, a day of hate coming up tomorrow. I think you might have heard that uh, the, the police precincts around the city are warning people that there is specifically a targeting anti-Semitic day of hate mm. tomorrow on Saturday. So we have these racist, sexist, homophobic, uh, transphobic, anti-Semitic uh, sentiments all over the country. Laws, very real laws being passed that are extremely anti-trans. You have this right-wing sentiment, DeSantis going on a national tour talking about how we need to back the blue and support the right. I mean, all these things kind of mishmash together for me and it funnels down into the local races where I live. And Vallis being accused of having a Twitter account run by someone who did this and this being the unnamed staffer. I wonder if it's the same unnamed staffer that emailed 9,000 CPS students or, or teachers. Maybe it's the same one. I don't know. We will never know because they're nameless. They should get a name. They should identify <laughs> these people. Um, but, like, that's not good. And what I'm not saying is that, like, Vallis would endorse the liking of these tweets or the tweets themselves. But I'm saying that he clearly staffed it. He's not willing to name who did it. And he is surrounded by people who are, you know, associating themselves with these types of sentiments, you know, and he's all over the place with, you know, how he's painting himself in TV ads and, and mailers and things of that nature, you know? And so it's just kind of like whatever you need to do to win. And how can, I, I just, I find it difficult to reason voting for someone if I can't nail down what their values yeah. are, you know, it's just kind of, for me, it's all about what the values are going to be, you know, less about the promises they make, because obviously hurdles are going to arise once you're in the, in the booth, in the chair, right on the dais. But um, if you lead by values, that's important. So when I can't nail down some values, it makes it difficult for me to like kind of endorse uh, their their idea of leadership. Um, that's kind of the, the, the DeSantis one. The other is Block Club also had a, a great article about Norfolk Southern and how obviously this this spill in East Palestine is is bananas. I mean, I know Twitter's not real life. And you, you know me and Twitter, we're, we're very tight. I don't like Elon, but I love the platform, even as it disintegrates before my very eyes. And, you know, Twitter's tearing Pete Buttigieg apart for wearing what looked like dress shoes to East Palestine, you know? So what's on the internet is not real life by any means. But what is very real is that the effects of residents in East Palestine um, are not good. And Norfolk Southern is offering people like a thousand bucks a piece. What is that? A, a doctor visit and a half? You know what I mean? Like, this is all very strange. The head of the EPA with very forceful words on an interview with NPR yesterday. So this is all still playing out. But what Block Club said is that, yes, all this happened. East Palestine, very bad. By the way... Chicago, the highest density rail traffic city in America, is also visited by Norfolk Southern constantly. Uh, citizens of Englewood not pleased that more infrastructure is being put into that area of the city that allows for more of this rail traffic. And so especially with all these allegations coming out that safety is not at the forefront of, of this type of travel and economic you know, necessity, 
um, it, it's a real concern. So again, these national issues do play. They trickle down, if you will, for lack of a better phrase, into these local races for me. You know, maybe I'm on Twitter too much, but I feel like it's all connected. Well, it, uh, there's a lot of connections, uh, and we'll probably get into uh, East uh, Palestine and how that's being spun nationally. Uh, just I would say at the top that the neighborhood most affected by Norfolk Southern uh, in Chicago are black neighborhoods. Uh, and I doubt very much if there was a spill, God help us all, that was a dangerous, uh, toxic spill, uh, if MAGA would be rushing to their aid. Uh, because MAGA essentially, the Republican Party essentially, uh, is opposed to any kind of oversight or regulation or increasing oversight or regulations on any industry. Uh, so they're going to try to make hay of what's going down uh, in uh, Ohio because it's a MAGA county. They voted over 70 percent for Donnie Trump in 2020. Uh, and who was the one have- who rolled back these safety regulations in the first place, right? Uh, but but that's okay because he's down there giving out 13 year old bottles of water from Trump Water. Do you, yeah. you know that is yeah. the company Trump Water folded 13 years ago and he's showing up with these plastic bottles? Yeah, I'm sure that's good for him. Maybe this will offset the vinyl chloride. I don't know what his reasoning is, but they're trying to hang it on the Biden administration. And Buttigieg is down there saying, "Wait a minute, now we didn't do this. Trump did it." Yeah, and they doesn't uh, know what to do. Even Fox News is saying this is bad. Yeah, well, and the Dems, this is a whole that the Dems don't really know what to do either. Because anytime the Republicans push hard on environmental regulations, the Dems are so afraid of being labeled as anti-business uh, or being too restrictive for business that they'll uh, dilute their message. They'll they'll fall, their knees will crumble, and so this is a problem. Been seeing this one for a long time uh, in uh, national politics, uh, but I, I, I you're absolutely correct when it comes to a comparison overall between the national Dems and Republicans on this issue, uh, the Dems, as bad as, it, as as they are, whippy as they are, are better than Republicans. Uh, uh, by the way, shout out Gregory Pratt, who will be on your show Monday for that story about the, the Madigan, uh, the Madigan, I got Madigan on my mind, uh, the Paul Vallis tweets. Uh, it was a great story. And I'll go back to uh, Paul Vallis. Paul Vallis has spent the last at least two years courting, MAGA, courting the right. Uh, And he did this at a time when MAGA had declared war on woke America. And included in woke America was just think about this. Anybody who opposed any kind of restrictions on Twitter that would uh, prevent uh, Nazis from posting hateful tweets. Uh, Anybody who spoke up in terms of transgender rights. Uh, any librarian who wanted to have a child book uh, that what championed uh, gay people as human beings and not as deviants, anybody who wanted to have an honest exploration about race relations and our racial history, all of these segments of society, and there's probably many more I could list, but I'm just going to start with those, have been under attack from MAGA for the last two or three years and part of the MAGA culture war. David Ferris comes on this show every other week and we just break down, like, what's Ron DeSantis up to? Uh, What's the governor of Abbott of Texas up to? What's the governor of Virginia up to on these issues? Paul Vallis tapped into this. This is the audience he's been playing to for two years. He went to Awake, Illinois. 
at a fundraiser for them. Wake Illinois, folks, just go check out their rhetoric. Yikes. Yeah, yikes. And so now he wants to turn around and run uh, for mayor in a very Democratic city. And he has to disconnect himself from who he's been for the last two years. So in each instance, when he's caught in an embarrassing situation, he has a different tactic. So, for instance, when he was caught, Kelly Garcia, shout out, uh, for appearing at the Wake, Illinois, he said he never knew that a Wake, Illinois was uh, as uh, transphobic as it is. Ridiculous statement. Any Google check would have told you. And by the way, you were sitting at their meetings listening to their rhetoric. So you kind of had a hint. You know, goes on the Jeannie Ives show. It just ignores her anti-abortion uh, rhetoric. Just pretends like it didn't exist. And uh, uh, and now he's caught with all these um, these tweets on uh, his Facebook page or his Instagram page. And he's saying he didn't do it. He didn't know anything about it. So it's just like this. This Every time he gets in trouble, he kind of try to like figure out a way. He can weasel out of it by blaming someone else. Uh, and say, no, I don't really believe that, even though we spent the last two years courting this crowd. You know what? Uh, to go back to where I began the show, I don't I don't think it matters at all uh, with these hardcore voters. They're voting for him because he speaks to them. They just love his look. Here, I'll show you the picture. There you go. There's the look. I'm showing that <laughs> way. So, yeah, uh, so these national issues. Well, I, you know, and what you're saying about how it's not going to change anybody's mind who's already, you know, decided to to vote for, for Paul Vallis. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, saying the guy, well, I mean, he went to a woke uh, or awake Illinois rallies. So, I mean, that that is a rally. But, you know, at the same time, a, a very local issue and niche thing that plays into these larger national trends that we're talking about. This week, they had the Committee on Public Safety. The Committee on Public Safety convened at, at City Hall Chambers, and they sat down with Deborah Witzberg, the OIG, and CPD. And the city council said, okay, give us the scoop on this investigation into the Proud Boy, who still is on the Chicago police force. And, you know, I, I it wasn't good, Ben. Like, it, it, it just seemed like CPD was not prepared uh, to to discuss, you know, their their solutions to these issues because you had Deborah Witzberg sitting next to the CPD folk, and she's sitting right next to him and getting questions from the, the members of the council and saying, yeah, this guy should have been fired because he lied to investigators, he he misspoke and he lied and the misspeaking that's misspeaking but lying, under oath during an investigation about your connections to a hate group as a current law enforcement officer is not good. So there's that. That Again, not good is putting it lightly, but you know what I'm saying. But the, the real issue for me is that NPR reported that there are 13 other members currently on the Chicago Police Department who are members of the Oath Keepers. And when the city council members asked, hey, what about these 14 people that NPR reported on? They said, well, we investigated four of them. And they said, well, what about the rest of them? They said, well, we asked NPR and, and some lawyers for the information they had, and they wouldn't give it to us. And the city council members were like, isn't that what your investigation is for? <laughs> That's like saying I failed the test because the teacher wouldn't give me the answers. You know, so I'm not getting a sense of urgency 
on the reality of the situation and these national trends and local trends on these very hateful rhetoric, very serious issues. I mean, I'm not looking forward to tomorrow, this day of hate, this day of anti-Semitic hate. I mean, what, what year is it? I know we yeah. can swear, but I shouldn't. And when DeSantis came to town on the same day as that America First rally, I got bad vibes, man. So again, it's just another local connection that has no implication on the race. And this is why I brought it up, because what you said, we already got ballot supporters who are going to vote anyway. And unfortunately, I don't think the average voter is you know, paying too much close attention to the Committee on Public Safety. So even, even though it has been written up, uh, I, I just don't know how much of a, an effect it's going to have on the bottom line. Well, the... Um... My guess is uh, if Brandon Johnson is uh, emerges from this runoff, these issues will be aired uh, and it'll be aired in a very contentious uh, public battle where Vallis will be coming back at Brandon Johnson uh, as a defund the police person who uh, is soft on crime. And so that's the tone and the tenor of the campaign uh, that will um, will be subjected to for about a a month. Uh, that's if Brandon Johnson's elected, uh, emerges from the runoff. If Lori Lightfoot emerges from the runoff, again, uh, she will be trying to link Paul Vallis uh, to uh, Ron DeSantis uh, and other and other MAGA people. But it's her administration that's dropped the ball on, on police uh, members of the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers. So it, I don't know how much credibility she have on that. Uh, and uh, if Jesus Chuy Garcia, I, I don't see a lot of forcefulness from him on any issue uh, in this campaign. Very like a lethargic candidate campaign, I have to say, from Jesus Chuy Garcia. So those, are, of course, are the, uh, the three leading contenders to emerge from uh, the first round against Paul Ballas. And you're right. Uh, it, it, it's like, if they got to, whoever emerges to go against Paul Ballas will be spending a lot of time trying to get the public to pay attention to the things we were just talking about. Uh, I know that the hardcore Ballas voters don't care uh, and won't pay attention. I don't know about that soft North side Gold Coast crowd that's sort of following Tom Tunney's lead and Brendan Riley's lead and Brian Hopkins. I don't know. They may they may break from Ballas. Uh, on what? Well, it's like uh, like his um, like for instance, we talked about this last time, and I dipped in the column. You know, uh, Tom Tunney's trying to convince uh, Chicago voters, liberal voters, that uh, Paul Ballas believes uh, in a, a woman's right to choose. He talked in terms of reproductive care. He wouldn't even say the word abortion. He goes, he believes in reproductive care. I don't even know what reproductive care means, you know, in the context of this. So I don't know how forceful uh, Paul Vallis will be on issues like this. And if he feels compelled to sort of like hold on to his MAGA base, uh, but reach out uh, to the Tom Tunney crowd, the North Side liberals, who used to be liberal, are probably not that liberal anymore. I see what you mean. That, that yeah. balancing act is going to get a lot more tricky in a runoff situation. In a runoff, yeah. Because they don't have to worry about it. Right now, all he needs is a plurality to get there. He'll need a majority uh, to win. And so he may have to just leave MAGA in the rearview mirror and just let MAGA voters know, hey, I'm the MAGIest guy you're ever going to get. 
So I'm going to have to talk like I care about kicking proud boys off the police force. But don't worry about it, okay? Because I was there with you when nobody else was. So, Well, that involves convincing the public to pay attention to inside baseball politics. So I wish them all the luck in the world on that one. Yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, So what was the other thing I wanted to ask? Oh, I know what I wanted. It's uh, Patrick J. Whalen. Uh, so we'll we'll uh, we'll close with this. Uh, Pat Whalen uh, is one of the few people I know who routinely and regularly, without fail, watches the Sunday morning uh, talk shows, news talk shows, news affairs shows. He watches. He knows. He can give you the lineup. He's not going to cheat. He's going to when I when, when when I'm done with this introduction, he will give you the lineup, the hosts, and how he sets up his whole Sunday morning is set aside. Uh, I must confess, I don't get up early enough to watch uh, the shows. I rely on articles about the shows because these are newsmakers who come on. I've always viewed it as just utter spin, uh, and uh, it, it's like the home turf of people like. The, the great David Axelrod, they will get on uh, those shows. He used to do this for Obama all the days, and they will spin. It's like uh, Axelrod is really good, you know. It's just so good at this, yeah, you know. Yeah, and so he would get on those shows, and when he was done, he was like, I, "I'm not even quite sure what he said, but it sounded good. It was reassuring." Uh, and uh, so, all right. Uh, so my question for you is to predict the spin that will emerge uh, from the Sunday morning shows. So people don't even have to watch them. You're going to two days before the shows, you're going to say what will be said on the shows and what issue. Uh, so Patrick J. Whalen, take it away. I, I call it going to church, Ben, as you know, the big three. I don't know whose father, son or Holy Spirit is a good Catholic boy. But we got meet the press. You got Face the Nation. You got This Week with George Stephanopoulos. This Meet the Press is just kind of the most right over the plate, lukewarm take machine that you're going to see on mainstream. You got the host, Chuck Todd, who, you know, I love a good Buffalo reference. Tim Russert, Chuck Todd is not. God bless him. But Tim Russert was, he was the real deal. I mean, he was a guy who really got into the granular stuff and could make it interesting to the average viewer. Chuck Todd is a little more blase a little more widespread a little more shotgun blast out instead of a sniper rifle on making a point um but it is very it's it's kind of generic and so i can tell you right now it's going to be ukraine 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 today is the one year anniversary of the uh, russian offensive into ukraine which i think you know they could spin into a million different directions they could say how is this going to affect uh, nato how is it going to affect the eu China is rumored to uh, be supplying some weapons and, and moral support to Russia. How's that going to play on the international stage? You know, we could get Anthony Blinken back again in the interview chair. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Um, but then you'll have a panel at the end of the show. You'll probably have a couple interviews with lawmakers. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Pete Buttigieg made the rounds on all three. Every once in a while, you'll get someone on all three. And that's when you know it's going to be a big week for whatever they're talking about. Um, but if you'll have Buttigieg on, I'm sure, with a single interview about the, the situation on the ground. Chuck will prod him on Trump. We'll have a few fireworks there. And then we'll move on to Face the Nation. Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan. God bless Margaret Brennan. Because Margaret Brennan is the grumpy, you know, just the facts, ma'am, uh, person 
on these on these three shows. Uh, Stephanopoulos on ABC is most definitely the most like fireworks, you know, WCW version of a Sunday show you've ever seen. But Face the Nation is very measured, deliberate journalism, just the facts, you know, kind of situation. They had uh, Bernie Sanders on not too long ago. I think this is a good example of how it's not similar to the other two. And they, they let him talk a lot about how he's taking over the new committee. He's concerned about all the things Bernie Sanders is concerned about. Um, but Margaret Brennan, I'm sure, will be talking to you to the ambassador. Here's my prediction. The ambassador of Ukraine has been on Face Nation many, many times. Um, and you can see the clips throughout the day. I like watching them in the morning and going about my day and processing it in the background. Um, so again, Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine there. Again, my prediction, maybe Pete Buttigieg is on all three. He's three for three for this one this week. Um, out there pushing the message for the administration as they try to hang it on the on, on Biden, as the Republicans try to push it on Biden. McCarthy still has nothing for debt ceiling negotiations. Remember that? <laughs> so the Democrats are going to be, that's still a thing, I guess. I don't know. Um, so that's that's definitely be a big focus too. And then, like I said, uh, the, the main event, oh, let's get ready to rumble, is this week with George Stephanopoulos. You got Chris Christie and uh, Donna Brazile trading jabs, uh, never a dull moment there. And again, I think that'll be a lot of Ukraine and probably East Palestine. We're just about rounding a month after this actual disaster happened. And like I said, maybe we'll see the EPA out there, but I think Buttigieg is going to be carrying water for the Biden administration. So that's, that, that is my, my current state of predictions for the Sunday shows. And I'll, I'll see you at church, Ben. All right. So I uh, get quite a few uh, emails or texts from lefties the who are so far left they i mean they're beyond they they can't stand the democrats so they're beyond democrat this is like a a very a variant of lefties that's so far left they come around and they meet the right <laughs> okay that and I, I there's a lot of people like this in my life yep uh and um they send me text and emails on the subject of ukraine which are essentially dedicated to the notion uh, that Zelensky is a liar, yep. uh, that he's no better than Putin, uh, that the United States probably uh, blew up that pipeline. Uh, oh, God, even just doing this, I sound like Obama. It's just talking about the Sunday shows, I just start ducking like Obama. Uh, and um, that we should not be uh, giving aid, and we're giving a lot of money uh, to Ukraine uh, to fortify its defenses by um guns bullets all kinds of uh weapons of war and uh so are there voices representing this point of view that make it to uh the sunday morning gab fests uh, or are they outside the mainstream of the gab fest i think your assessment is correct ben it's increasingly uh, a more recognized uh viewpoint it's it's a troubling uh trend that i'm seeing on on twitter specifically is that uh, there was a rally uh, in D.C. Uh, this past week. And it was basically people who are, you know, very much a, a Republican in blue clothing about this to be like, you know, we support the current thing. But also, why are we giving all this money to a foreign nation? You know, I, you don't have to convince anyone in Europe that this is a serious threat. Uh, but Americans have a little trick up their sleeve with thinking this isn't going to affect us. It's called the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, and, and they think that, you know, this body of water is going to protect us. Uh, I, I, I will, uh, remind them that there were, uh, I believe two world wars, uh, that, that we got involved in, 
that had to do with large numbers of, of Russians just being thrown to the meat grinder. And, you know, an interesting statistic for me is that uh, I believe 140,000 Russians have died on the front lines of, of this. Um, another interesting number is that it will take five years of production at current levels to resupply the artillery that we have given to Ukraine. So is it a, a, a valid point that maybe we're spending too much money and too much of our military resources on this? Yeah. Is it also a valid point from the president that Russia is a very serious existential threat on the world stage and that we have been a hair's breadth away from nuclear war for a year now? That's very true. Um, so I understand where people are coming from with that. But I mean, to actually answer your question, it is a more vocal thing. People are, it's, it's getting more and more attention that we shouldn't do this. And the representation on the Sunday shows, I think, will be from the right, some Republican lawmaker who wants to make waves and will come in and say, you know, probably, uh, well, not Graham. Graham supports it. Uh, who am I thinking of? There, there is a couple that, you know, obviously Taylor Marjorie Green. Marjorie Taylor Green. Taylor Green, yeah. But there, there's, there's some who have actual legitimacy uh, who, who might make the chair on a meet the press of the face of the nation that will say that. And all they're going to say is that these resources should stay home. Sounds like nationalism. Reminds me of that America First rally. You yeah, know what I was mean? just going to so say. Uh, you got you know, to take a macro look at this for me. I uh, I got a uh, uh, an email from a, an old friend of mine who, I mean, I hesitate to call him a leftist anymore, uh, but it was a link to uh, comments that Donald Trump made on this. And I'm like, wow, you're setting. What makes you think that I will be convinced on any issue by something Donald Trump says? It may be that there'll be a morsel of truth in something Donald Trump says, but when you just like wrap it all together, the guy is such a liar and a fraud. Uh, I, I just like, well, you, you just um, wasted that email. That was just to kind of undercut your uh, cause, your point. What about Chicago? Do you think Chicago, the mayoral election on Tuesday, will be addressed on the Sunday morning gab fests? That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I've seen more and more articles about, um, you know, black mayors and how I think there are only four in what the mainstream media would call major cities. And, you know, Lori Lightfoot is definitely someone who has made time for MSNBC. You know, she got the coveted Kevin Garnett endorsement, which I'm sure you saw, um, you know, so in terms of like her national uh, recognition and, and reputation, you know, she definitely has one. Um, but I, I don't know if there's room for it between East Palestine, whatever happened on Capitol Hill this week, and uh, the Ukraine anniversary. Ukraine anniversary is going to be at least 50% of the coverage on the big three on Sunday. You know what I mean? And like right. I said, it can go in a million different directions. But All right, Dia, let's see if you can do this, if you can pull this off. Don't look at your phone. Don't cheat. The four largest cities in America uh, have mayors who are black. Name the cities. Name the mayors. Go. Largest, the four largest cities. Yes, that's the big four. That's why they call they talk about these mayors as a group and their friends. They talk on the phone together. I think they've all in uh, the three out of the four who are out of Chicago have endorsed Lori Lightfoot. Name the four: Young Patrick J. Whalen. If you can pull this off, I'll buy you. I'll buy you lunch at my favorite Chinese restaurant. Go. That's a deal. Does the four include Chicago? Yes. New York, four. L.A., Chicago, and Houston. Right, and the mayors are. Um, all black. Uh, <laughs> Adams, LA. I will give you that, even though you didn't name the first name. Go ahead. Eric. Very good. Lori Lightfoot. Two for two. Two for two. Mary. 
Mm. Eh. <laughs> you didn't say the names. You just said I had to name the cities. Well, Ma- <laughs> uh, I think uh, that's good enough. I her name in L.A., but that race was huge. It had to do yes. with homelessness. And her Newly- first act as mayor when she was sworn in was to do something about Very it. Very good. I'm giving, I, I may give you credit for this. Her first name is the same as my favorite Chicago Teachers Union president of all time. Karen. Yes. Very good for knowing that. Her last name uh, is the same as the kind of guitar that Paul McCartney played. Wood? <laughs> oh, my God. I need a boomer. Paul McCartney. Is one, he played the bass. Stratocaster? <laughs> All right, let's forget this one. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to get the Chinese lunch, which is absolutely uh, delicious. All right, Patrick J. Whalen, it was so much fun talking to you. It made me feel pretty good uh, about the insane politics of our time. Uh, and we'll close by really putting you, uh, uh, you know, on the spot. All guests have to make a prediction. Uh, so your prediction, who will emerge from Tuesday's uh, mayoral contest? In the runoff, Patrick J. Whalen. All I know is what the battle axe doesn't tell me, Ben. So <laughs> it looks like it's going to be Vallis. Uh-huh. The second is up for debate. There is serious steam behind Brandon Johnson. And the question two weeks ago was, can he maintain? It looks like his ground game is pretty good. Um, I agree with your assessment of the Garcia campaign. I'm, I'm just not seeing a lot of them. And people are going to punch for him because they say, well, he's a congressman, right? He could probably handle the fifth floor. So he's going to get a lot of folks probably on the day who don't pay as close attention to me. Mm-hmm. The answer is, I don't know. I'm going to cop out. But I'll be asking my illustrious panel on Monday, the Election Eve show, Good Evening with Pat Whalen, episode 48.5. I'll be asking Greg Pratt, Brandon Pope, and Tonya Hill, please tell me who's going to win. I'm, my first question will be, can you please end this pain? I want to be free of this pain, please. And they're going to say, no, you have another month to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, but at least then there's work. only two of them. You know, nine is just too much. So I, I'm copping out on both of these answers. Though. All right. That's good enough. Uh, what the heck? You know, I like I like that. No, I don't have to tell you. I look just look dumb. Hey, let me just tell you a little trick that uh, David Axelrod learned a long time ago, big fella, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, never give a really specific answer. Right. You know, you don't want to be held anything. Always give a generic answer. Uh, and then take the opportunity at some point when you're giving your answer to just really subtly turn the attention away from the question that was asked of you with a delightful and humorous anecdote that will make the <laughs> the person asking you the question forget what the question was. <laughs> That's how you do it, baby. Remember, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them know when to walk away, and know when to run. All right? Okay. I'm at the, uh, John, the John Madden School of Analysis. You know, I think whoever the team's going to win is going to have the most points on the board. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> and then whoever, whoever's win the election will have the most votes. I can tell you that without, without a doubt. Unless they don't. Whoa. Stop the steal. Yeah. Uh, stop the steal. All right, Patrick J. Whalen, uh, and thank you very much. Uh, very good stuff, as always. Uh, and I want to thank uh, producer Chris for doing an outstanding job as he always does. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. 
And remember, you can catch previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more at chicagoreader.com. And don't forget, you can also find Ben Jarofsky on your favorite streaming platforms, Apple Music, Spotify. He's all over the place. Go out there, search Ben Jarofsky. You're going to find him. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home yes, cool. or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement of the restrictions apply.